0: Women don't like to be examined. And truthfully, there are many women who've never seen a gynecologist after they had their babies. In today's podcast, I'm talking about how you can be a good patient and why it's so important that you get yourself examined when you need to. Hi, I'm Dr. Neelima Deshpande and this is V for Vagina, the podcast that dispels myths and misunderstandings about the vagina and empowers women to embrace their sexual energy, vitality and well-being. The vagina is really an amazing organ. But women are not empowered to own their core sexuality, their genitals, their organs. And many times, They just don't go to see the doctor to get examined. Sometimes it's a bit too late. I want to narrate the story of a friend who was molested by her colleague. She was a gynecologist too and she was on night duty when one of the colleagues she was working with molested her. It scarred her for life to the extent that she was afraid to go and get treated the moment she thought of a gynecologist. And she suffered with terrible period problems. But she didn't get screened or treated until quite later, when she was trying for a baby, had several unsuccessful attempts at IVF, and she needed to see a gynecologist and a surgeon, a male gynecologist, to have her hysterectomy for multiple fibroids. There are many consequences of not actually getting examined, and I see it all the time. Mind you, in my practice, the couples who actually get to come to see me are the tip of the iceberg. Several thousands who never even reach a doctor because they're too afraid. In my clinical practice, a simple problem is not consummating the marriage. When I've examined women, I found real important reasons why they couldn't have sex. Sometimes the hymens of a variety where it's not completely cannulated or there's a septum across the vagina. I've even examined and found a woman who had two vaginas, two cervixes and two uteruses. Every time they tried to have sex, the penis would hit the barrier between the two. And they just didn't know why they couldn't have sex until I examined her. Not being examined on time or not having assessments on time can have more serious consequences. In many countries, getting screened for cervical cancer is part of a national health program. And it should be because screening for cancers does save lives. But in countries like India and maybe some other developing countries, cervical cancer screening is not an established program that everybody's invited to. The sheer size of the population means that educating, inviting, guiding, making women turn up for examinations is next to impossible. But the consequences are devastating. Two women, cousins, part of the same family, at 60. Both women were diagnosed with stage 3 cancer of the cervix. They had never had a cancer screening procedure done and they had never been to a gynecologist to have an examination or assessment ever since they'd had babies over 30 years before. I've seen the same problem with breast cancer. And Mind you, nowadays breast cancer is happening in younger and younger women. So why should a woman be examined anyway? And what happens if you don't examine her? Most of the time it's to rule out problems for any kind of treatment we might want to give as doctors. Some processes don't need an examination. For example, you know, if you go to your doctor to request an oral contraceptive or ask for guidance about contraception or emergency contraception, Maybe for some desire disorders associated with diabetes or high blood pressure, if you don't have genital symptoms, your doctor might not ask to examine you. And sometimes I won't even examine a patient unless she's willing to be examined. So I certainly wouldn't examine somebody if they didn't consent to it. Many times I get approached by male patients with sexual problems. And many times you would consider it perfectly okay not to invite the woman to be examined. But that's a folly. I've learned through my clinical practice it's really important to examine both partners. And I often invite them to come along together. Usually, you see, it's not just one person who's showing up the problem that has the issue, the other partner can as well. We'll talk about this in future episodes. For example, A woman who presents with vaginismus or difficulty with having intercourse can often have a partner who has difficulty maintaining an erection or who ejaculates too quickly. The same having been said, if a young man approaches me and says he ejaculates too quickly or can't hold up his erection, I usually want to examine the female partner. And more often than not, she also has problems with vaginismus or painful sex a tight pelvic floor that stops any kind of penetration or accommodation. Some other reasons to be examined could be period problems, bleeding with pregnancy, bleeding after menopause, bleeding in between two periods, bleeding after sex, a concern about sexually transmitted infections, for a regular cervical cancer screening, a pap smear. You might be invited for an examination when you visit your gynecologist or your GP, if the GP is also a gynecologist or trained in gynecology. If you turn up in an emergency room with severe pain or bleeding or swelling over the vulva, you might need examining. If you go to see a physiotherapist about tight pelvic floor or pain with having sex, they might assess your pelvic floor. Or you present with urinary incontinence or prolapse. Who should be doing an examination? For sure, somebody who's trained to do it. Could be a doctor, a physiotherapist or a nurse. You want that person to be gentle, authoritative, to know what they're doing and you want them to take the time to build rapport with you. That's the quality of a good clinician. The truth is, women don't like being examined. And most women will tolerate a large amount of pain before they'll subject themselves to the embarrassment of being examined. Unfortunately, most clinicians don't realize this, unless there's someone like me who's been through these traumatic episodes of being examined. The sense of vulnerability, of defensiveness, fear and anxiety you feel when turning up for a gynecological examination is often unknown to that clinician. I guess I wouldn't have known if I hadn't been a patient myself. See, when I was younger, I had terribly painful periods. And for years, I resisted going and getting a procedure done that would solve my period problems, that would solve the pain. And I resisted only because I didn't want to be examined by a gynecologist. And it wasn't until later, until I met my consultant in sexual health, who was a wonderful, gentle lady, that I actually managed to get treated for my problems. Many times doctors have clinic premises and situations which don't allow for a decent or a nice, pleasant examination experience. Privacy, confidentiality, taking consent, offering a chaperone, offering somebody to be with you to hold your hand while you have your examination makes life so much easier and comfortable. There is a lot that needs to be done to encourage clinicians to learn how to use their hands to communicate, trust, comfort and care. And it's not just the genitals, it's the breasts as well and the abdomen and the legs and the mouth and the face. There is no part of a woman's body that she will subject readily for examination without feeling a sense of trepidation first. But being a good patient is also about knowing who to trust and how to trust your clinician. It's important to find the clinician that you can open up to, you can trust. Trust that they'll be gentle with you, that they'll allow you to take your time to become comfortable, to become vulnerable and accepting of your touch. I remember a friend who suffered with severe breast tenderness, pain. It was really affecting her relationship. She wouldn't allow her partner to touch her breasts and she didn't go to her gynecologist simply because she thought this gynecologist is going to want to examine my breasts. Years later, when she got an invitation to go for a mammography, she didn't go. She's no longer with us. She died of breast cancer a few years ago. It's an unnecessary death. The loss of a wonderful woman a gentle lady, and a lovely friend. It's something about the position of being examined that makes women feel uncomfortable, lying on your back with your legs spread apart, very indignified. And yet, once you've gone through with it and you've met the right doctor, it doesn't seem so intimidating. One of the ways you can help your doctor is by learning to examine yourself by using a mirror. Check out yourself, check your vulva, the labia. Go and visit the labia library and reassure yourself about the structure and anatomy of your genitals, the color, texture, shape. So you can keep an eye on it and alert your doctor if you see something abnormal or different. Many times in my clinical practice, I see women who have piercings over their genitals and I wonder. How could you go and get this done to yourself and not show up for a clinical examination? For some reason, they trusted the guy or the girl who did the piercing more than they trusted their gynecologist. Bizarre. Some misplaced understanding that arousal and orgasms exist in the genitals more than they do in the head. And these distortions can lead to so many problems. Opening up, being understanding, understanding the vocabulary, Examining yourself, being willing to talk about your problems, being willing to find a gynecologist or a doctor that you can trust and be open about, that can make the difference between being diagnosed on time, being treated on time, or showing up with stage 4 breast cancer or cancer of the cervix. It was Maya Angelou who said, People won't remember your qualifications. They won't remember your status or position but they will always remember how you made them feel. When I was younger, I was in the throes of a fever. I was delirious many times. And my mother sat next to me, and I craved for the touch of her hand. When she put her hand on my forehead, I felt immediately better. She taught me an important lesson. And as a gynecologist, I've carried it through with me all these years. Surely it's something I'm really proud of. Especially when a patient gets up off the couch, looks me in the eye and says, Doctor, your touch is amazing. I didn't have anything to fear. Remember to like, subscribe and share this podcast with whoever you think needs to hear it. If you'd like to talk to me one-on-one for a personal consultation, Get in touch with me via my website www.dr.neelima n double e l i m a deshpande d e s h p a n d e dot com. And you'll find a button there where you can click and book a slot with me. And I'll be sure to respond to any of your queries. Thank you. Disclaimer this podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's or listener's own risk. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.